Hi, I'm Dennis Hester, and I'm the pastor here at First Baptist Church Watauga, and we are grateful that you have tuned in to listen to these messages, either through our podcast or on our website. And as you listen to these, our prayer is that you would hear the Lord speak to you from His Holy Word. If you're interested in learning more about the church, you can get on our website at fbcwatauga.org. From there, there's a place where you can plan a visit, you can learn more about our beliefs. You can also request prayer through the prayer request page. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. The most important thing that I'd communicate to you is as you listen to God's Word, that you find a place to get plugged into a local congregation, whether it's here at First Baptist or another local church where you live. If you'd like information or would like us to help you find a church home, uh, we'd love to talk to you about that. And you can contact us through our Facebook page. So God bless you as you listen to His Word, and may the Lord encourage you in your walk. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be here to worship today? Isn't it good to be here to worship the Lord today? Amen. To come in His presence and worship. July the 23rd of 1989, I stood in the pulpit and I preached a message from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, that I had begun a walk through the book of 1 Peter, the letter, the first letter that Peter wrote. And and I had come to that. It was the third week of that sermon series. And uh, that passage in particular speaks about how God uses trials and suffering in the life of a believer to purify our faith, that we might walk in a relationship with him and that, that he might grow us and mature us into the people that he's called us to be. And I remember pointing back to a, a passage in Ephesians chapter 2. And talking about how as God takes us through these trials and through these, these tribulations that, that purify our faith, we have to walk in a relationship with him in the same way that we were saved. The scripture says in Ephesians 2 that we are saved by grace through faith. And, and the theme of the Apostle Paul in particular throughout the New Testament is that we can't, we never get to a point where we're good enough to live the Christian life. And so we have to learn to walk by grace through faith. We live out the Christian life the same way that we were born again. And in fact, he looks to the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3 and says that they were fools for not doing so. And so tying all of that together, one of the things that, that, that I carried with me personally from that message was just simply that truth that God was going to allow things into my life to purify my faith, that I might become the person that he desired me to be, and that I might, need to, that I might walk with him through those trials. Little did I know that six days later, our first daughter was going to be born. Preached that message on Sunday morning, and Saturday, Katie came into the world and upended our world. Katie was born with several birth defects. Many of you know Katie's story. Katie was born at that point. Uh, what we knew immediately was she had a, a deformity uh, in her lower, lower bowels, what was called a cloacal deformity. She also had her hips were displaced, which seemed weird and unusual, uh, but out of place from everything else. And she also had a heart disease where her heart was flipped over and it was on the wrong side of her body. What we didn't know until the next day was she also had a kidney disease, and that was the one that was the most threatening to her life. Katie was flown the first few hours of her life from uh, Abilene Regional. Actually, at that point, it was uh, uh, we were at Hendricks Medical Center, uh, the Baptist Hospital in downtown Abilene. She was flown from Abilene to Fort Worth and began this long journey. 
we learned, Susan and I in particular, and then our daughters following in the following years, learned that the only hope that we had was to walk by grace through faith. Now, almost 30 years later, I can look back and I remember those trials. I remember those difficult times. I remember those years of suffering. I remember those times of celebration and those times of victories. And in those victories, in that remembrance of both the victories and the, the, the trials and the sufferings, I found that the Lord was always there. And because of that, now when I face trials and suffering and difficulty, the best thing that I can do is remember. Remember and not give up. That's the title of today's message. We are in the third major section of the book of Hebrews. Those of you that have been around for the last year know that we, uh, we took some time to walk through uh, the first section of Hebrews, which covered most of the first four chapters, uh, talking about Jesus as the, 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 the sacrificial lamb, the, the adequate sacrifice that God had provided for us. And then the theme of the second major section of the book of Hebrews dealt with Jesus as our great high priest, when we came to the third section of the book of Hebrews at the beginning of this year, we talked about how it's more of a practical section, a practical application. Uh, in fact, we took the title from the first verse that we began in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, that Jesus for us was more than just a high priest. He also was a new and living way. And, and what we'll find as we walk through this over the next couple months is some practical thoughts, some practical ideas of how we apply that. Now, it's not it's not simple. It's not, you know, check box ABC because life isn't simple, is it? And, and a couple weeks ago, the last sermon that we had from the book of Hebrews, uh, of course, we had D now in between, we, we had that stern warning once again. There's five warning passages in the book of Hebrews. Uh, one of them falls in chapter 10. So we looked at that a couple weeks ago, and it was a, it was a reminder that if you have heard the gospel, you've heard the truth that Jesus died for your sin, and that he rose again, and that he's coming back. And you've heard that message, and you are unwilling to submit to his lordship, to accept that message, and to receive the cleansing uh, that, that Jesus has offered for yourself. The writer of Hebrews asked the question, how much more are you deserving of eternal punishment than those who lived in the Old Testament and had not heard that gospel message? And so you had that, that stern, difficult warning passage that we looked at that simply the practical application of that is if you at this point have not taken that step to surrender your life over to Christ, do it now because you don't know how much time you have left. And in fact, today's practical application, the writer of Hebrews is writing to those who have taken that step. And so he begins in verse 32 is is where we look at this paragraph to say, remember the early days when after you had been enlightened, you endured hard struggle with suffering. I want to pause there for a moment, and this is just a bonus to the message, because the primary message today is how are we going to face difficulties? How are we going to face struggle? How are we going to face trials, pain and suffering in our life going forward? Because we will have difficulties. It doesn't matter if you're 10 or if you're 90. You still have challenges coming in your life. Jesus, one of the, the last things that he said to his disciples before he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray was, in this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. So the good news is that in Christ, we are overcomers. The bad news is trouble's coming. I had a professor that used to say this, you're one of three people. Either you're the person who is in the midst of a really difficult situation, or you're one of those people who has just come through a difficult situation. If not, look out because you're one who is about to face a trial. That's life. And so the practical advice that we're given here is how to deal with those trials. But the foundational issue that you've got to settle is what we dealt with in the five verses leading up to this. You have to come to a place where you are willing to surrender your life over to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Had a lady a few weeks ago, and I think I've mentioned this before, she, she talked to me about this struggle. She went through a very, very difficult time in her life a little over a decade ago, about a decade ago. And then she went through a really difficult time a couple years ago, and she came to me and she said, Pastor, when I went through that struggle a decade ago, God wasn't anywhere around. I didn't feel his presence. It, it was like he was nowhere. And I remember looking at her and saying, but it was only a couple years ago that you accepted him and put your faith and trust in him. What about the last difficulty? What about the last horrible thing you went through? And she said, you know what? It was different. He was with me. He was there. I knew of his presence. If you have not made that decision to surrender your heart and, and life over to Christ, and, and in the New Testament, the evidence of that always in the New Testament was that when somebody publicly committed their life to follow Christ, they followed him with baptism. Always. In the Baptist church, we've supplemented that sometimes with walking an aisle or praying a prayer. But the bottom line is the New Testament evidence of someone who had chosen to follow Christ was to surrender their life to him and obediently follow him in baptism, identifying with him. Baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is that first step and mark of a believer who is following Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I want to stop right there because if you can't remember the day that you did that, then the rest of this doesn't matter, okay? If you can't remember when you put your faith and trust in Christ and followed him obediently in believer's baptism, you need to start there. But for most of the people that are here today, I understand that you're hearing this message as someone who's already done that. So let's read, beginning in verse 32 again, and read this text to the end of chapter 10. The scripture says, remember the early days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive what was promised. For yet, in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. I want to look at this message. There's two uh, primary verbs in this message. The first one is an imperative. It's a command. And it's that first word that you see in verse 32. The writer of Hebrews tells those who have that experience with Christ to remember. So how is it that we're going to face trials and tribulations and struggles to come? 
The first thing that we're going to do is we're going to remember how God has been with us up to this point. For those, maybe you have just recently come to that place where you put your faith and trust in Christ. It's, it's encouraging to me how many adults that I've talked to that they came to faith as an adult and they said, you know, I am so grateful that God preserved me until this day. Because if I would have died last month or last year or last week, I would not have eternal life. But thank God he preserved me. He, they, sometimes people can look back in their life and see when they were in a, a car wreck or they were in a, 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 a health issue and, and they didn't know why they lived through it. Well, for some reason, they come to understand that God preserved them for that moment. So even if you're new to the faith, even if you've recently put your faith in Christ, you can remember. You can remember what God has done for you. First of all, you can remember the difference that he made when he gave you new life. You can remember that moment, that time of salvation. We can remember and, and trusting God during those tough times for me. I can look back now over 30 years of pastoral ministry, 30 years of dealing with issues in the church, but 30 years of struggles with our own family and remember that God was there. God has not promised us that life was going to be easy, but for those who have put their trust in him, he has promised his presence in all times. Remember that times were tough God brought you through those hard times of suffering, he tells the Hebrews. You stood strong, even when those around you didn't understand. And when you didn't even understand what you're going through. So sometimes you're publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions. You stood strong, even when people were making fun of you. Now, for most of us in this room, in fact, very few of us have faced real persecution the way that some of the early Christians that Paul's writing to in Hebrews faced. I didn't face real persecution, but when I first put my faith in Christ as my Savior, I had friends that made fun of me. I was in seventh grade. Seventh graders make fun of you for anything anyway. Now, I certainly didn't need something else to give them to make fun of me, but I was so excited about what Christ had done that I had put my trust in him and that I'd been baptized as a believer that I went to school and told people. Well, some people made fun of me for it. They taunted me. So remember that even during those times, you, you stood and God was with you. How about when your friends were mistreated and you stood with them? You know, one of the, the, the ancillary things that took place through, through our struggles with Katie in particular, because we were so young and, and, and we had a lot of friends that were watching us, is many of them suffered as we did. In fact, I learned that a lot of times it was harder on my family. It was harder on my mom to see Katie struggle, I think, than it was for Susan and I. And part of it was because she not only had to watch her granddaughter suffer, she had to watch her kids suffer. And as a parent, I understand that. And so we stood with her as she stood with us. And, and that's a, a part of the suffering that, that takes place in the body of Christ is we, we carry each other through those times of difficulty. We suffer along with one another. And... and you know, sometimes it seems like it would be easier just to step back into our own little bubble, our own little world. But when we do that, first of all, we miss out on the fellowship and the companionship of, of those in the church who would walk this difficulty with us. But we also miss out on the blessing of being used by God to encourage them and be there for them. 
So, and then fourth there, uh, you see in this text where uh, you sacrificed knowing that better days were to come. Uh, look, you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you knew yourselves that you had a better enduring possession. Let me, let me focus in on that fourth subpoint there before I want to get to, to kind of the big conclusion of this point. They didn't have to, oftentimes they did not have to speak up and lose their possessions. <laughs> they could have hidden a corner and played it safe. I read a story this week of a, of a lady whose uh, grandmother was there during the Holocaust, right at the beginning of the Holocaust. Now, I can't pronounce the German word that was mentioned, but there was a particular night where a young 17-year-old Jewish man was kind of fed up with what was going on, and he shot a, a German uh, leader. And because he shot that German leader, Hitler, it was on November the 8th of 1939, I do remember that, or 1938, Hitler uh, basically turned the mobs loose and, and let the, the Nazi mobs just take over and they infiltrated Jewish communities, they burned Jewish synagogues, they burned homes, they destroyed things. And then that began a process over the next couple of months of 30,000 men, uh, Jewish men that were captured and taken into concentration camps. One of the, the stories that I read this week of, was of a lady whose grandmother literally was able to save her father as a five-year-old by repeating uh, what her mom told her to repeat so that the German soldiers believed her. I think about that, and I think about those struggles and those sufferings of those days. Those people who sought to do what they could to rescue those who were suffering, who went out on a limb and they didn't have to. Here, you had Christians who came alongside their brothers and sisters and identified with those who had been imprisoned, those who were hurting them. Because of it, they were stripped of their property. They, they literally suffered, not because the target was on them, but, but the, the target was on their friend. And they stepped in and stepped up to make a difference. Remember, he's telling the church, how God was with you during all of those times. When you suffered, when you gave up possessions, when your friends suffered, when people didn't understand what you were talking about, remember. And remember why you did it. You did it because you yourselves knew, at the end of verse 34, you know that you yourselves have a better and more enduring possession. They were willing to give up health. They were willing to give up freedom. They were willing to give up material goods. Why? Why, why, why look back and remember when you were willing to give all of that knowing that you had, well, what was this enduring possession? What was this thing that they knew that they had, this, this gift, this reward that they knew they had that they were willing to give up so much for? Let me, let me just simply say it was not a thing. The possession that those believers had, that they, that they trusted, that they held on to, was a person. And it was the person of Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. Everything that was gained to me, I considered as loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing 
Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and considered them as dung, so that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness from my own, from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from the dead. The, the, the great possession that we have that is greater than any suffering that this world can throw at us that is greater than our freedom being robbed from us, that is greater than our health being taken away from us, that is greater than our material goods being stripped from us. The one thing that we have that's greater than all of that is Christ. And Christ cannot be taken from us. And so the writer to the Hebrews encourages them to remember who makes the difference. It is Jesus. It is, it is Christ. It is that personal relationship with Christ. He's just spent the first 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews talking about how awesome Christ is and how Christ has surrendered his life and shed his blood as the one and only sacrifice that they needed and that Christ gave them access into the throne room of God so that they actually could come before the Lord on their own and worship without needing a priest or an intermediary, that Christ is the one possession who is worthy of everything else, a personal relationship with Christ. He is the one. He is the reward. He is the, the person that makes all of the suffering and all of the struggles and all of the pain and all of the trials that we might face worth it. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the last three verses, where he, where he talks about how uh, this body is going to die. He basically says, what we have here on this earth is temporary, but what we have in Christ is eternal. And he is willing to, 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 to un he gives up, gives up the fact, so to speak, or surrenders to the truth that his body is fading away, but what's on, in, on the inside is being renewed day by day. And even when what you see looks like it has crumbled, understand that what you don't see cannot be taken from you. Christ cannot be taken. And so the writer to the Hebrews, his first practical piece of advice, when you face present or future suffering, is remember Christ. Remember what you suffered and how he was with you. Remember why you were willing to suffer, because Christ was with you. I've told this story so many times that I remember clearly when everything else seemed to be stripped from me, I knew the Lord was with me. Even when I didn't feel like he was with me, I knew that I knew that he was with me. And then second, the second big point here, is don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. Look at the next few verses. Verses 35 through 39. The scripture says here, so don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't give up. You know, I think that we've heard the term, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back. 
And we understand what that means. It's as though there's been so much weight that's been, been placed upon us that we're carrying such a heavy load that sometimes it's not the big things that, that finally just crush us, it's the little things. Paul's encouragement here, the writer of Hebrews' encouragement here is don't let anything crush you. Remember what all you've come through? And remember the reward that you have in Christ? If you've already been through all of this, don't let this steal it from you. Don't let this take it away from you. Far too often, we, we get so focused on the here and now and that one little item that we give it way too much weight. And we allow one thing in our life to overcome all of the wonderful, glorious things that God's done. How many times are relationships broken down because of this? Make it between a, a husband and wife. You've been married 20 years. You've loved each other. You've been through the ups and downs. You can think about, if I were to, to begin to list all of the good things that Susan has done for me, I, I could not count them all. I could not measure all of those things. In fact, it would be hard for me just to, 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 to count up all of the things that she's done well this week. But you know what happens sometimes? We'll get to the end of this week, and she's done a hundred things that she did for me because she loves me. And she'll say one thing or do one thing that I don't like. And what do we focus on? We'll let that one thing have way too much power and way too much influence. So the writer of Hebrews says, remember. Remember. Remember how God was with you when you were first born again. Remember how God was with you when you suffered. Remember how God was with you when your friends suffered and you were ministering to them. Remember how God was with you when you lost material goods and God still took care of you. Remember how when you couldn't pay your bills and yet God came through. And remember when you got that news from the doctor and God came through. Remember, 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 remember. And when you face the struggle today, and you wonder, how am I going to make it through today? Remember that he's promised that he'll be with you today. Remember. Now, sometimes that remembering requires something that we really struggle with. And it's what this, this passage is going to transition into next week. He mentions it here at the end of verse 39. This, this really does lead into a great passage. Hebrews chapter 11 is known as the hall of faith. He, the first section of Hebrews chapter 11, he talks about all the great things that the great leaders of the Old Testament did because of their faith. And then the second third of, the, of, of chapter 11, he talks about all of those who faced incredible suffering and stood strong because of their faith. It's all about faith. And so how is it that you're going to, how is it that you're going to make it through this issue? You can remember, but you may not see a way out today. So how are you going to do that? By faith. By faith. You're going to make a decision, and faith really is a decision. You're going to make a decision to put your trust in the God who has promised you his presence. You're going to make a decision to put your trust and your faith in a God who's big enough and says he loves you enough that he can take care of you, even when you don't see it. I'll give it to you. There's times in my life, there's times in the pastorate, <laughs> there's times that I've been here as your pastor, First Baptist Watauga, 
and I'm wondering, I don't see how we're getting out of this one. I don't understand it. Unless God moves in some miraculous way, we are sunk. But I believe in a God that still moves in miraculous ways. I believe in a God that delights in doing things for his children that can't be explained in human terms. A God who comes through when it looks like there's no way that anything could come through for us. And that is walking by faith. And in fact, faith is a deliberate choice to put our trust in the promises of God's word and not in what we see or what we feel. I mean, I, I understand there's times where I don't feel like God's with me. I have to ask myself, what does God's word say? If as a believer, I've used this in counseling, you come to me and say, well, I just don't feel like God's hearing my prayer. I don't feel like God's with me. I'll look you in the eye and say, are you a child of God? Well, yeah, I know I'm a child of God, okay. If you're a child of God, what does his word say? Does he ever leave you? No. Does he ever forsake you? No. Is he with you? Well, his word says he is. All right, are you gonna believe what you feel or are you gonna believe what God's word says? Faith chooses to believe God's word. And so practical advice for getting through the tough times in life today are remember what all God's done and don't quit because he is God and you can trust him. You can continue to walk by faith from this day forward. We are not those who draw back and they're destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. I'm not here to tell you that there weren't times where I wanted to draw back. There were times especially as we dealt with Katie's illness and times getting close to her passing. Uh, there was one time in particular, I, the doctors were mad at me and I was mad at the doctors. And the doctors, in fact, threatened to refuse to allow us to continue with uh, getting ready for a transplant because they felt like I was being disobedient to them. I felt like they were being idiots. Okay, And I told them that, and that probably didn't help. And, and I, I was tired. I was, I was tired. I was emotionally tired. I was spiritually tired. And at a very vulnerable point, I remember going and sitting down and talking to one of my friends, the guy who was superintendent of schools at May at the time, and he and I had become good friends. And I literally told him, I said, Don, I need you to go up to my house I'm, this confession time here. <laughs> I need you to take every gun out of my house because I'm so tired, I'm so worn out, I'm afraid of what I might do. And Don and I sat there in his office and, and we talked for a while. And it wasn't what I'd do to somebody else, it's I was tired. And we sat there in, in, in my office or in his office and we talked. And, and he pointed me back to God. He pointed me back to God's word. He reminded me of all that God had done up to that point. And at the end of the conversation, he said, do I need to still come to your house and get the guns? And I said, no, I'm fine, thank you. I needed to be reminded that the God who had taken care of me all those other times was still gonna take care of me. And I could walk through this, what seemed like an insurmountable problem, I could walk through it by faith because God was gonna be with me. That's the promise of God's word for us. You know, one of the questions that I wrote down as I was working through this message is, have you ever felt like just giving up? Have you ever got to the point where you just wanted to give up? You wanted to give up on your marriage? 
You wanted to give up on being a parent. You wanted to give up on your kids. You just wanted to give up. If, if we're honest, most of us would say there's times that we felt like it, but we didn't. Well, the reasons that I didn't is because of a God of grace and mercy whom I could trust when I didn't understand and I didn't like what I was seeing, but I liked him and I knew that he loved me. Just last week, I remember looking, it was after a prayer meeting, looking somebody in the eye and say, hey, it was Wednesday was a nuts around here. It was a crazy day with everything I had going on. And Julie just looked at me and thought it was crazy, uh, the secretary. And, and, and that night, I remember uh, telling John, I said, you know, after today, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I just don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And that's where I'm standing. See, I, I don't know what, what, what's going to come tomorrow but I know the God who has tomorrow in his hands. And so as we get ready to look forward to these who have done great things through their faith, we've got to remember that God desires to do great things through our faith in our life. There's two particular things that he mentions here. That one of them I've just dwelt on a lot. The first one is this, be patient as you look forward to his return. The Lord is going to come back and he is going to make everything right. This world doesn't look like it. This world sometimes looks like uh, everything's been flipped upside down, that those who are doing evil are winning and those who are righteous are losing. The Lord promises that he will return and when he returns, justice is going to be done for every, well, I take that back. <laughs> Gratefully, for those who put their faith in him, we're not going to receive justice. We're going to receive mercy. But he's going to make all things right. The justice that we're going to receive, that price has already been paid by the blood of Christ. Jesus certainly died for our sins and suffered for our sins. So, yes, all things are going to be made right. So here he tells us, yet in a little while, verse 37, the coming one will come and not delay Jesus is going to return. So hold on. Don't give up. Have faith. Now, he's either going to return in my lifetime through the, through the air. There's going to be a rapture and a resurrection of those who believe. Or he's going to take me to him soon. I don't know which is going to come first. But Jesus at some point is going to come and he's going to make all things right. And then second, live by faith. When it doesn't make sense, trust God's word. When you can't see a way out, trust God's word. When you don't feel like there's any hope, look to God's word and see what he says about hope. Because I've learned that his word is more trustworthy than my feelings. His word is more trustworthy than my emotions, <laughs> by far. That one gets us in trouble quickly. His word is more trustworthy than even my sight. Do you know that even your sight will fool you? If you don't believe it, take a straight stick and stick it in a pond of water. It looks crooked. Because our sight can even fool us. Sometimes what we see can trick us. God's word is trustworthy. It's more trustworthy than any of my senses. And so the one thing that I'm going to hold on to by faith is his word. 
And when I hold on to his word, I'm going to make it through. Whatever that difficulty happens to be. That night, actually a couple days later, it was about July, the, 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 it would have been the August the 1st probably of, of 1989. Katie was at the hospital up here at, at Cook's and she was getting ready for her second surgery that night. When she had surgery late at night, we didn't know if she was going to live through the night. They told us she probably wouldn't. I remember as I was at the Ronald McDonald house there in Fort Worth down on 8th Street and ready to go to bed. And uh, I asked the Lord, I said, would you give me, Lord, give me a passage of scripture that will speak to me, that will carry me through the days that are to come, because I, I felt like there were going to be some tough days. I didn't know how many of those tough, tough days were going to come. And the Lord led me to the book of Job. Now, that was not the most comforting thing, if you know the book of Job. But in particular, I held on to Job chapter 1, verses 19, 20, and 21, where at that point, Job had lost just about everything he was going to lose. And, and there was a surprising passage of Scripture there where it says, Job... In the midst of all of that, he tore his robe, he dumped ashes on his head, he fell down on the ground, and at that point, what I expected was something like, and he cursed God. He was mad at God, but that's not what Job did. Job tore his robe, dumped ashes on his head, fell down on the ground, and he worshiped God. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will return there. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job focused on worshiping the one true God in the midst of his trials and sufferings, just as you and I can. We walk remembering what he's done for us in the past, believe in him for today, and trusting him for what he's going to do in the days to come, because he's a trustworthy God. I want to encourage you. Matthew is going to be coming up here in just a moment to lead us in a hymn of response. And I started out the message by, by just kind of giving a very stern reminder. Scripture tells us that only those who put their faith and trust in Christ have eternal life and a relationship with him. The promise of his presence and the, the, the privilege of walking with Christ through, through suffering and trials and difficulties is only there for those who have surrendered their hearts and lives to Christ. So if you have never done that, if you'd say, Pastor, I don't, I, I've never surrendered my life to Christ. I've never chosen to, to, to be baptized and, and identified with Christ in baptism and followed him, then I want to encourage you to make that decision today. I'd love to talk to you about it. Kevin's going to be up here. He'd love to talk to you about it. We'll have a couple counselors that you can just sit down with and get a little bit more explanation. But if you'd, if you'd say, Pastor, I, I, need to, I need to start there. I need to put my trust in Christ as my Lord we're going to give you an opportunity to do that. But the message today, by and large, is for many of us who just need that word of encouragement, that the Lord's going to be with us. No matter how dark things are, no matter how bleak things look, we can trust his presence. We can remember what he's done before, and we can trust him when we can't see a way out today. We can walk by faith. And if you need to come and bow at the altar and pray, or you need to come pray with one of the ministers, the altar will be open for you to come and do that. Let's stand. Would you stand with me? I'll lead us in prayer as Matthew comes. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the encouragement that comes from your word. We thank you that we have hope in Jesus. And the reward that we have in Christ is greater than anything that this world could offer 
and it's, it outweighs any suffering that we're going to face. You, Lord, are our reward. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we have that opportunity to have that relationship with you because you're there when all the lights go out. You're there when, the, when we get the bad news in the doctor's office all by ourselves. You are there, Lord. And we are grateful that you're with us. Help us as we face today's struggles and those that are to come to remember and to continue to walk by faith. Let your spirit move during this time. We pray in Jesus' name.